This is the Music Therapy Chronicles podcast interview with Ryan Judd. That. I mean, I'm cool with passive listening, you know, like to kind of just having it in the background. I do that all the time with music. Um, so I, I think that's that's cool. I mean, I've been sometimes when my kids are going wacky and it's just like the house feels like it's going to explode with the energy, you know, putting on some calming music. I feel like it can help the kids as well as the parents, you know. Um, so, and even in music therapy sessions, when I use the music, it, it helps me calm down and be more grounded and centered. So it can be something on the more passive side, or it can be something on the more active side, where you do take five minutes to put on some headphones and you do, you know, uh, focused listening to some calming music, or maybe you put it on while you're doing yoga, or you put it on while you're doing meditation to try to you know, access just different levels of relaxation. And I always feel like the music is really helpful with that. Um, and certainly if someone's having trouble sleeping, if you find the right music, that I think it can really be helpful. I mean, that the albums I did for sleep, you know, it's all 60 beats per minute. Um, there's a super chill, like ocean background track, which goes in between all the songs. So it's one song slowly fades out there isn't that silence to wake up the neurological system. You're listening to the Music Therapy Chronicles, a podcast about music therapy from a variety of perspectives. Our ambition is to inspire and connect listeners through meaningful conversations, just like a music therapy conference you can listen to anywhere. My name is Trisha Coyote, and I am a board-certified music therapist from the New England region. If you like what you hear, join our group on Facebook and share your own insights and thoughts about the episodes. You can also connect with us on social media and online at Music Therapy Chronicles. Welcome back to the Music Therapy Chronicles. I hope you're doing well and I hope it's getting warm by you and you are embracing the spring energy if you're in the Northern Hemisphere. And if you're one of our listeners in the Southern Hemisphere, I hope that you're enjoying cooling off a bit and enjoying the transition in seasons. Today is my second conversation with Ryan Judd. If you have not heard episode nine, way, way back in the beginning of the show, I talked with Ryan. We had a wonderful conversation about um, his four pillars of success and empowerment. So that was also a great conversation. I highly recommend you check it out. Today, we talk about how Ryan's career has been shifting um, to more of a recording artist focus and how he is writing his music, his intentions in writing his music, how 
being a recording artist has impacted and influenced his clinical practice, clinical applications of his music, as well as um, personal applications, using music for self-care, the importance of creating our own music as music therapists. Just a wonderful conversation um, with Ryan. I always feel like he has wonderful takeaways. So you're definitely going to want to check out the show notes of this episode to find um, some of the resources he has mentioned, as well as his own creations, his own music. Um, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. So I also just want to say that for some reason, my dog was having a little choking fit in the middle of this episode. She was okay. It wasn't anything that I had to like stop what we were doing and go take care of her but um so if you hear some strange noises that's probably what it is so i apologize for that but anyway i also want to say that this conversation was born out of um, an email i sent out to the past guests we've had on the show if you couldn't tell by the numbers uh increasing every week. We are rapidly approaching 100 episodes of Music Therapy Chronicles, which I can't believe. Um, we've been at this for two years almost. And yeah, I feel like that's just a milestone that I want to celebrate. I think it's important that we take time um, to recognize when things like this happen in our lives and to celebrate them. Episode 50 came out last year and unfortunately... Uh, was also when the pandemic started and I wasn't able to necessarily take a moment and celebrate that the way I wanted to. So for episode 100, I have reached out to past guests and asked them for kind of a, an update, a where are they now? And a few of them got back to me and said, hey, I would love to have a full conversation um, in about this, about updates, about what I've been doing, all that good stuff. So Ryan is one of those people. Obviously, he's going to give us an update in this conversation, and we're going to talk about all the things I already mentioned. So you can look forward to that, and you can also look forward to episode 100, where you're going to hear from a ton of past guests on the show, uh, and they're all they're all doing great things. It's so so beautiful to be able to hear what music therapists are doing and creating and experiencing. And I love that so much. And I hope you do too, listening to the show each week. If you are loving the show and you're looking for a way to support us, one of the easiest things you can do is subscribe to the show so that you never miss an episode. Please also consider leaving us a rating and review. Those really help the podcast be more visible and let new potential listeners know what they're getting into when they click on Music Therapy Chronicles. You can also find us on social media and online at Music Therapy Chronicles on all the platforms and stay up to date on cool things like pod courses, previously referred to as podcast bundle CMTEs, but stay tuned in this episode to learn more about that too. For now, let's get into this conversation with Ryan. Right, Ryan, welcome back to the Music Therapy Chronicles. So good to be back. This is fun. 
Thank you. So for anyone who wants to check out your last episode, I believe it was episode nine. So if they want to hear some of your backstory, I'll have that linked for them. But since the last time we talked, what have you been up to? Oh, wow. So much, so many fun, really cool projects coming my way. I, I released a new album of instrumental guitar and cello music about four or five weeks ago. So that was super exciting to get that together and to release it and, you know, start marketing that and uh, get up on all the streaming platforms. And so I'm just so happy with it. I just, I'm super proud of it. I think it turned out beautifully. I recorded with this dude, Tom Eaton, who is like the perfect person, literally like probably one of the top three dudes in the world to record this type of music. He's like Will Ackerman's right-hand dude. Um, his sound engineer and, you know, Will Ackerman, who started Wyndham Hill and recorded Michael Hedges and all that stuff. So um, I was in good hands and uh, the result really was was lovely. Yeah, I will link that for everyone to find so they can stream it, purchase it, all that kind of stuff. Um, cool. The last time you were on, we talked about an open sky and yeah. kind of your muse for that. So what yeah. was your inspiration for this new album? Yeah, so just to kind of let listeners know you know that the last album in open sky was inspired by this beautiful little girl zoe that i worked with uh she was about three and a half years old when i started with her she had brain cancer um and just from the the, the treatments and the brain surgery and the chemo and the medication i mean she had global developmental delays and so we were working on speech and motor control and quality of life i mean come on we knew that most likely she would not live very long. So a lot of it was just trying to bring some joy into her life. And the music was the key, you know, mm -hmm. music and humor, I would say. <laughs> um, but the music just opened up the doors to her heart and her, you could really see her true soul and her true personality shine through in our sessions. And it was just a beautiful thing. And then when she passed, you know, there was just so so many deep, deep emotions to work through. And they all poured out through mm -hmm. this music and composing and recording these pieces. And so uh, so that was an open sky. And then, you know, I take a breath from finishing an open sky and putting it out there. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, how, how am I gonna top that in terms of a muse? You know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's that was like super deep emotionally for me. Um, and then I just thought, oh, wouldn't it be cool to do an album where every track is dedicated and inspired by one of my loved ones. Hmm. You know, my boys, my wife, uh, my wife's parents, my mom, my dad, my brother, Zoe. <laughs> Zoe's got a track on there too. Um, so, and some, you know, some friends of mine who passed away when, when I was a teenager and when I was in my early twenties, those experiences, you know, that yeah. still are raw when I think about them and reflect upon them, mm -hmm. though it was a good opportunity to try to honor those individuals and also to work through some of the emotions for the ones who have passed. And then to just really, you know, really experience the love that I feel for the people who are luckily still living. So that was my muse for the new album called Soaring Together. So cool. I love that. Do the people you wrote about know which song ins was inspired by them? Yeah, 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 for sure. Love that. <laughs> um, yeah, it was cool. You know, it was fun too reaching out to the parents um, of my friends who passed when I was younger and being like, hey, here's 
here's their song, you know? Um, And then of course, you know, my mom and, you know, and my dad and my brother and the boys and my wife. And like, it was, it was, it was super special to be able to share that with them. It was, it was really sweet. Yeah. What a beautiful gift to be able to, to share with them too. Um, Yeah. I'm thinking if we as music therapists talk a lot about um, maybe writing, or I've heard it more of like journaling through types of situations, specifically mm. with a client where they may have mm. passed and just to work through it so you can continue to to work. And um, not, I've never heard of people like sharing those types of things or like mm. with the intention of recording it and putting it out there. But there's no doubt so many wonderful creations in the world that just haven't been shared yet. So thank you for for having the confidence to do that. I think that's awesome. Oh yeah, I felt like it was my duty. You know, I just feel like, I feel like with all of us, we each have such unique, beautiful, amazing skills and talents. And every person's got their own unique skill set, right? We all have similar skills, but when you put it all together, you know, that's a one of a kind. And I just feel like with the privilege I've been given with my upbringing, being able to go to college, being able to go to grad school, living in the United States of America, like the privileges are just just pouring through me. And I just feel like, God, it's my duty to put it out there to the world and try to touch other other people's lives who might not be as fortunate as me. So, uh, so yeah, that's my, one of my inspirations for like putting it out there to the world and risking you know, criticism or anything that might come with the kind of gutsy move to just blast it out to the world. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love this because the way you've spoken about um, your duty and sharing your creations is how I think a lot of music therapists talk about our clinical work. Yeah. So I love um, I love that you, you've taken this mindset and, and applied it to your recordings. And I think um, professionally, you've kind of taken a shift towards more of this recording stuff, creating music, recording music. And so what has it been like to to shift that, your time and energy, into a different way of um, serving people through music? Yeah, that's been an interesting transformation. And I feel like the pandemic sped it up. It was yeah. really interesting because I started having, you know, a lot of success with some of my old previous albums that I did, you know, four or five years ago that were more clinical based. You know, I did Mm -hmm. ones that specifically were meant for people struggling with sleep issues. And I did, you know, a sleep CD, sleep album for infants, for babies. Mm -hmm. But with my original compositions that the parents would be soothed by as well because you know you got the baby monitor on you're gonna hear <laughs> you're gonna hear the music and if you're trying to fall asleep as a mama or a dada and you're hearing this annoying lullaby for the you know hundredth time then that's not a good combo so i thought okay let me create something that both would be helpful to an infant and also enjoyable and soothing and maybe help mom and dad fall asleep too mm-hmm. so um so i had a lot of success with those And I put out an open sky and like, you know, the music career part was really starting to come together and, you know, financially really starting to supplement my income as a music therapist and then starting to, you know, um, surpass my income as as a music therapist. But then the pandemic hit and it gave me kind of this chance to really 
reevaluate things. And I thought like, listen, I've got this great team of music therapists. It's time for me to hand off some of my clients and contracts to them and to open up some more space and time in my own schedule so that I'm composing and practicing and recording and rehearsing during nine to five, Monday through Friday, business hours. And that was not the case with an open sky. With an open sky, oh, it was like put the kids to bed and then I go up to my office for like an hour, hour and a half. And and it was like squeezing in time and it was recording on the weekends and okay, now we gotta have the in-laws over to help my wife because you know, two crazy young boys and like, it was very complicated. So after that whole process, I just thought, man, come on, dude. You can create your schedule. You can create your future. You can create the vision of what your life wants to be. Mm -hmm. And I want it to be that I can do all that stuff Monday through Friday, nine to five. Wow. How awesome. Um, I want to take a step back because we, I think we talked about vision boards the last time you were on. Ah, yeah, yeah, and yeah. you've said like <laughs> the, the, your vision was to work on this nine to five every day. So when you started your private practice, Mm. Was your vision completely different? Because I, I love hearing how people's uh, aspirations kind of evolve over time. So have you oh. always wanted to record full time or is this just like it was an opportunity that you've kind of run with? Yeah, that was totally more within the past five, six years that I even considered that. I think when mm. I started my private practice, which was 21 years ago, um, all I wanted to do was full time music therapy. and. Mm. Um, I was actually teaching a little bit of guitar there, though, too. There was a nice balance, though. I did have a nice balance between teaching some guitar, which I loved and I felt a calling for, especially teaching guitar to children, um, since it's always been my thing. And then, you know, the music therapy, working with kids. And that was a great balance. That's all I really ever wanted. I didn't have much ambition, and I felt like I... I had a lot of self-limiting beliefs, as mm. we all do, and as I continue to have. <laughs> but I've gotten a lot better with it. Um, just, you know, surrounding myself with super successful, positive people. Um, just, I'm in a mastermind with a couple other entrepreneurs, and it's just brilliant. And so, you know, having people who call me on my stuff, who call me on my limiting beliefs, who challenge me, and you know the what i read what i listen to with podcasts and interviews so much of it is just this really powerful positive belief in yourself and what you can accomplish um type material and so that's really kind of helped me believe that i could do more than i was currently doing mm -hmm. um so when i first started my practice yeah that's all i really want to do is teach some guitar do some music therapy um and then I feel like my wife <laughs> has been pivotal in my success because she always dreamed bigger than I did, you know, and she always kind of wanted a lifestyle for us that I just thought like, what are you talking? I'm a music therapist. I don't make that much money. We can't have that. Um, and she always kind of just kept planting that seed. And I feel like her ambition and her vision really started seeping into my consciousness and helped me take steps to gain that freedom that comes with that type of success. So it was really like five, six, seven years ago that I started thinking, I gotta, I would like to create a product. I would like to create something that I can share with people around the world that will be helpful to them. Yeah. And also of course, that will be, you know, financially beneficial to my family and to open up some of these doors of freedom 
so that we can choose other things in life and not have that financial limitation. Yeah, I love, um, thank you for speaking so honestly and candidly about it because sometimes it, one of the limiting beliefs I think very broad is you've done this thing, you've realized this vision of creating a private practice or getting a job you want or whatever it may be. Uh, and to be able to open that up and shift it and try something new. And even though you've had so much success and you've worked so hard at something to know there are other possibilities and it's okay to pursue them. And um, I just think it's great to have examples of that. And our society is moving towards that. Less and less people work in the same place for 30, mm-hmm. or 30 excuse me, 30 to 40 years. And mm-hmm. you know, a lot of us are shifting jobs very frequently. I say that in a good way. It sounds like a bad way, (laughs) but I mean it in a good way. Like the average person is changing careers more than, you know, 20, 30 years ago. So thank you for for speaking about that um, so people can see the process and not just, hey, I had this career shift and like this is what I did. Uh, It's cool to see like this is what I did to make that shift. This is what I aspired to do. This is what I had to work through. And your music is also a great example of that process. Uh, Because you're creating it in real time and people can go back and listen to it in years to come and see how you as a person shifted. Totally. Yeah, the evolution music is is really cool. I'm actually starting a whole new style of music now. It's totally different than like the instrumental finger style, nylon, string Mm -hmm. guitar and cello. Kristen Miller, by the way, I got to give her a shout. She's the cellist and she's also a sound healer and a soulful beautiful person and so her contributions to an open sky she was on cello and soaring together on cello were uh, paramount yeah wonderful wonderful it's awesome to be able to work with other musicians i know our clients every day they are musicians but there's something <laughs> special about getting to conference and having yeah. those musical experience with like trained musicians and just yeah, yeah, yeah. it's so different it expands me as a person and as a clinician and as a musician and it's one of my most welcome challenges in life (laughs) yeah and i love that welcome challenge because that's where i was at too so many times chris and i would be rehearsing and she would mention something about the rhythm of a particular section that i was playing or something that i was just like whoa okay you (laughs) you've got to step up on me in terms of musicianship but i am here to learn so let's work through this right now i want to know what you're hearing and i want to be able to work through it and so it's really a, a learning process for me too as a musician to kind of up my skills as a musician um and with this new style i'm kind of getting into it's also really pushing me to uh, learn more and it's a, such a stu- super steep learning curve but it's firing me up and it's it's really fun it's making life interesting you know yeah, sorry, my dog is choking, so I'm not trying to like. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! Are you okay? Oh. She's a, a little old lady, so. Oh. Sometimes she just likes to keep me on my toes. <laughs> All right, put a timestamp for that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's great to be challenged and expanded by other people, and to be able to have a relationship with them like that, where you can ask, like, mm. "Hey, you're doing something that I've noticed," and. I'm not quite there. So, you know, help me, help me get there with you. You know, um, I love that. I love relationships that let you do that in any aspect of your life, not just music making, but yeah. Yeah. The, the freedom to ask those questions, you know, like, I feel like these days I'm so much more relaxed about not knowing Hmm. and I'm so much more open 
when someone's talking about something, whether I'm talking to my financial advisor, uh, someone in the medical position, a, a musician, a sound engineer, and they use something jargony that I don't know what it means. Mm. I used to like kind of let that slide and I just try to figure it out on the fly. I don't care anymore. Now I'm just like, whoa, whoa, whoa what is what does that mean? What does that acronym mean? I'm not really sure what that means. Can you, can you, and they, you know, it just, it brings such a authenticity and a humbleness to the conversation and the relationship. And I think both parties benefit when you can just say, I don't know what that is. Can you tell me? Definitely. <laughs> and then that enables you to help the next person who doesn't know, because how many times does, do you let those opportunities slide? And then it happens again with someone else who's on your end and is, then they ask you because you've acted like you already know and that person yeah. asks you and you're like I, I don't know i just go with it like that's not helping <laughs> that's, anyone no. <laughs> <laughs> totally it's oh, yeah. good uh, one thing i want to say too about like the musician and music therapist and like how people change jobs i feel like hey and it's okay to do two things or three things mm. at once i mean you got to be careful about the balance but you know to be a music therapist and a musician like that's cool that can that can be really great or to be a guitar teacher and a music therapist you know those can enrich each other that's the cool thing i think about so many of these dual career paths is they can really enrich each other of course as we've talked about my work with zoe as a music therapist totally enriched my work as a musician and creating this music my work as a musician and the new skills i'm learning and the rehearsing and practicing influences my music therapy work in such a mutually beneficial symbiotic way. So I love that it doesn't have to be one or the other and it can be a gradual transition. It's not like overnight someone has to say, I'm gonna stop being a mm, and I'm gonna be a mm. You know, you can definitely take a more gradual transition to it. Yeah, I feel like as time goes on, our profession as a whole is becoming more open to um, dual certification or cross training mm. or that kind of stuff where years ago I remember hearing you know you you can't leave the field you can't study OT if you're a music therapist mm. because then you're degrading music therapy that it's mm. not good on its own and although I understand where that perspective come from comes from like music therapy is important on its own and we shouldn't need another certification to be valued if it enables us to better serve people and we are interested, genuinely interested in gaining more knowledge, then that should be celebrated. <laughs> oh, my God. If I was also an occupational therapist and a speech therapist, <laughs> mm -hmm. I would be such a better music therapist, you know, mm -hmm. um, and vice versa as an OT, you know, studying music therapy. And obviously, you know, yeah, yeah, you don't have to go to, you know, back to school for four to six years, but to take an honest dive into a profession or a field and immerse yourself in online courses in occupational mm -hmm. therapy or reading about occupational therapy. Certainly for me, it was always co-treating with occupational therapists. And again, coming in with that humble approach that like, yeah. I don't know everything. I'm here to learn from you. You, you yeah. have such unique skills as well as I do. So let's both share. And that has been my most important continuing education in the field of music therapy has come from the relationships I've developed to related professionals and our co-treats. Yeah, so well said. So now that you have more recording experience under your belt, how has that informed your clinical practice um, with either bringing in your own recorded music, 
or bringing in other recorded music or I guess where where has that shift like really happened for you now that you um, have feet in both worlds? Yeah, it's really just enabled me to have more tools at hand. You know, I just the other day I was working with a high school student with autism and we're working on stress and anxiety reduction and we're working on impulse control. So one of the things I've been doing lately is I've been doing a focused listening activity where I play a chime bell here. I think I've got it right here. Telehealth, we all have our instruments accessible, right? (laughs) Yeah, totally, right next to the old desk. So, you know, it'll be something like, um, just listen to the sound of the chime bell and stay totally quiet while the chime bell fades into silence. And that's one of her goals on her IEP (laughs) for the music therapy is, you know, on four out of five trials, um, four out of five opportunities, she will listen without interrupting to a 10 to 20 second focused listening activity. So it's such a, it's such a great challenge for her not to talk over that and to her just listen because she's very busy and she's super chatty (laughs) and uh, she's awesome. I love her. Um, so it's a great skill to have. So what I've done to, to up that, because you know, obviously the chime bell tone only lasts so long, right? Mm-hmm. And she started consistently being able to wait and listen. By the way, it really had a beautiful calming effect on her. I mean, her her mom, because sometimes her sessions were at home, her paras, special ed teachers were just like, whoa, man, what is that? What is that magic you're working? Yeah, my magic wand. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, totally. It was, it was really cool. So now what I'm doing is I'm taking some of my compositions that I'm currently working on and some of the compositions from Soaring Together in Open Sky, and I have a time limit. Now I'll play, I'll pick up the guitar and I'll play a composition and I'll just say, you know, same kind of thing. Okay, just listening, staying totally quiet while I play you this short guitar piece. And it'll be like, you know, I've got time goals. Like it started with uh, 60 seconds and now we're up to 90 seconds and then I'll jump up to two minutes. Like, and she just, again, it's, it's this really remarkable, remarkable trans transformation that she has during these focused listening activities. And everyone's amazed that she can actually stop and be quiet and listen for that long. So it's even simple little things like that. But I do also use recorded music. We do little yoga warm-ups mm-hmm. and seated yoga, simple, simple, simple seated yoga stuff. Um, that was one of the additional like weekend workshop skills that I wanted to take on so I could address stress and anxiety with my clients better with mindfulness and yoga. And so when I use recorded music, I usually give a choice. Hey, do you want piano or guitar? But mm-hmm. if they choose guitar, not out of ego, just out of like, <laughs> it, it is the right kind of music for something like that. I, mm-hmm. I go to my album on Spotify and that's, 
I'll just pick a, a track. So that's been really fun too, to have my own music be something that I can use as recorded music in a session to accompany a guided meditation or a guided relaxation. I do a lot of that with one of my um, adult clients who suffers from a lot of stress and anxiety or some like seated yoga stuff. So I think there's, there's so many cool ways you can work with recorded music like that. And it's just been nice. And obviously by jumping into this genre and this field of music, instr contemporary instrumental music, I'd call it, um, or relaxation music, you might call it, that I've discovered all these other great artists. So if someone, if a client does say piano, oh, okay, let me pull up some Michael Whalen or let me pull up some Philip Wesley. By the way, that dude used to be a music therapist and now he's full-time musician rocking it. Um, so let me pull up some Philip Wesley or some David Lands or like George Winston or, you know, something like that. It's got this really lovely, mellow, calming piano vibe. Yeah, I'll put links to all of their stuff in the show notes as well so people can kind of dive into these um, different instrumentation for these types yeah. of things. So. Cool. For using this type of music for your own self-care or for someone who, you know, they hear this episode, they get your album as a music therapist. Um, do you have any like specific, specific recommendations for how to use it in their own self-care? Is it, you know, going to sleep, like you said, is it mm. having it in the background while you're doing the dishes? Is it anything? Mm. Yeah. How do you, mm. how do you envision it being used? Yeah, I think there's different levels of that. I mean, I'm, I'm cool with passive lifts, listening, you know, like to kind of just having it in the background. I do that all the time with music. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I think that's that's cool. I mean, I've been sometimes with, when my kids are going wacky and it's just like the house feels like it's going to explode with energy, you know, putting on some calming music. I feel like it can help the kids as well as the parents, mm -hmm. you know, um, so, and even in music therapy sessions, when I use the music, it, it helps me calm down and be more grounded and centered. So it can be something on the more passive side, or it can be something on the more active side where you do take five minutes to put on some headphones and you do, you know, uh, focused listening to some calming music, or maybe you put it on while you're doing yoga, or you put it on while you're doing meditation to try to you know, access just different levels of relaxation. And I always feel like the music is really helpful with that. Um, and certainly if someone's having trouble sleeping, if you find the right music that I think it can really be helpful. I mean, that the albums I did for sleep, you know, it's all 60 beats per minute. Mm -hmm. um, there's a super chill, like ocean background track, which goes in between all the songs. So it's one song oh, slowly yeah. fades out there isn't that silence to wake up the neurological system. There's the ocean track that continues flowing while the next song gently fades in. So there's nothing to alarm the nervous system. Now the music personally, from a musician point to standpoint, it's boring and it's vanilla. <laughs> <laughs> it's as vanilla as it gets. Um, but there's no dynamics. There's no big crescendos. You know, I didn't use harmonics on the guitar, any high pitched. Obviously I didn't modulate. Like it was super simple, all 60 beat per minute resting heart rate, you know? And it's, so that kind of music mm. I think can help a lot of people fall asleep or find deeper states of relaxation. Is it gonna help everyone? Nope, because different people like respond to different things. You know, someone with a more active sensory system, especially someone maybe with ADD or ADHD, 
they are they most probably will not benefit from that music. <laughs> they will need something more active and engaging. So it all depends. I never think that my music can help everyone, um, but certainly I would think that those music with those types of considerations is going to have the best chance of helping someone with sleep or relaxation. Mm, yeah. What you're saying at the beginning about how um, the music can be intended maybe to help the kids in the home, but it's probably actually going to help the adults too. <laughs> I have this one classroom where uh, I go in once a week at the end of the day and like the staff is just worn down. The kids are uh, energy as high as ever, you know, and um, I usually start that session with a relaxation, not recorded, but I do it live yeah. because that nice. classroom needs that. <laughs> But yeah. the first few times I did it, the staff was just like, oh, I feel so good. Yeah. Like, I feel so calm. And there would be, I would come in and they would ask, can we please start with yeah. that, that muscle squeezing song? And like, of yeah, course we nice. can. And if, you know, helping them be able to be the best, their best selves helps the class just as much as targeting this directly to the students um, to help them center their minds and calm their bodies. So I think that, you know, that's not necessarily helping the staff isn't going to show up on the IEP, <laughs> but it is super imperative uh, and should be acknowledged. Totally. I love that. I mean, you're speaking my language with that. It's, it's just so helpful to the caregiver, the parent, mm -hmm. the teacher, the para, whoever it may be. It's, 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 it's a win-win. Yeah. So, um, Let's shift a little bit. So as music therapists, we talk about the importance of creating music in our own self-care. And, you know, it's we that can be hard to balance because we're learning new repertoire and we're creating music to prepare for sessions. And you're you obviously are now in this position where you're creating music potentially for self-care, but also with the intention of recording and releasing it. So mm. how do you balance all these things? Do they kind of overlap so it doesn't, it, they're, it's seamless? Or do you need to take time where, you know, this is music just for me and the intention mm. is not to use it in a session or release it? What's that look like for you? Yeah, I, I get so much out of composing and, you know, working through a composition at home like that that that's what i would do regardless if i was going to release it or not mm. that's what i would do regardless if there was going to be a financial payback of my time and effort mm. so i feel like that's it fits in perfectly because you know after i put the kids to bed yeah i could just like numb out on some youtube or tv or something and I do a little bit of that. It's important. <laughs> but, you know, yeah, I do a little bit of that for sure. But, you know, it's so cool that every night still I head on up to my studio, I grab my guitar, you know, I open my recording software and I just, I start working on these compositions and I, and I love it. And it can be such an emotional experience too. Um, it can be such a cathartic experience. So many of my compositions, especially for an open sky and soaring together, you know, they were, I would just be crying while I was playing and composing. And it was really a beautiful way to release and work through some of those feelings. So, you know, whether it's a part of your work or not, 
I just feel like it's so important for us to, to, to give our souls that, that well-being, that dose of well-being that comes from improvising or writing a song or learning a song just for fun, like regardless of whether you think you'll ever use it in a music therapy se session, maybe just learning a song that you've heard on the radio or streamed and, and you really dig it and inspires you. So I just, I mean, one of my professors when I was in grad school really encouraged that, like, don't ever let go of your own personal music. Mm. It's necessary for you to be the best human and best music therapist you can be. So always create and play your own music and take time for that in your schedule so that you can feed your soul so that you have the energy to feed others. Yeah. Yeah. It, what you're saying is making me think back to um, when I was in school for music therapy at the school I attended, we had to do a senior recital. I know every mm. program's different, but we had to do a senior recital. It needed to be, I think, like 45 to 60 minutes. Like it was, it was the whole shebang. Wow. Um, wow. Yeah. So, and I, in, in preparation for that, I was the first person in my class to do the senior recital. So I was, you know, getting it done early in the year. It was crunch yeah. time. I was yeah. in a practice room every morning for wow. at least an hour to an hour and a half. And during that time in my life is also when I started meditating a little bit. Yeah. And since I've been out of school, the shift has been to sit in meditation. But there's so many mornings when I think to myself, if I picked up an instrument, that would be just as valuable. Uh, mm. You know, so there's there's a little bit of resistance now because I have been away from that practicing practice routine. <laughs> um but yeah, I think it's important to know that like if if you do have a mindfulness practice but you're being called to spend that time with your instrument, then it's just as valuable. I guess if I was listening to this episode right now, that's what I would need to hear. <laughs> yeah, and I think it depends on the approach. I think yeah. it all depends. I'm I'm just finishing up this really profound book called Effortless Effortless Mastery and it's all about how, as musicians, most of us <laughs> have a lot of baggage mm. when it comes to picking up our instrument <laughs> yes. and a lot of baggage about, I don't know, just feeling like we're not good enough and we're aspiring to play like, you know, Coltrane or something like that. It's like we set the, the bar so high that it's almost impossible to reach. And it's just this, we kind of beat up on ourselves when we pick up our instruments. And there's a lot of negative baggage and connotations that kind of come with playing. So this book is really cool because it's all about moving beyond that. And it totally has a foundation of mindfulness and meditation practice. And it teaches you how to pick up your instrument in a very mindful way that it is more, much, much more akin to a mindfulness practice like mm -hmm. meditation than just picking up your instrument to play and possibly dealing with some of that internal dialogue and those self-limiting beliefs and that criticism and all of that junk that can sometimes accompany musicians throughout their music career. Yeah, that's making me think of um, a mindfulness 
philosophy. I don't know. The thought that when you sit down to meditate or if you Mm. have an inversion practice even more, Mm. every day is going to be different. And Mm. even if, you know, not even if, most of the times you won't be able to clear your mind (laughs) Mm. or you won't be able to hold that inversion for as long as maybe you would aspire to. And some days you'll get it and it'll be easy and you'll flow and some days won't. But the fact that you carved out the time to do it is what's important. So if Mm. we're able to um, approach our instruments that same way without expectation, Mm. yeah. Yeah, huge. There's there's so much to that. That's I mean, I feel like I'm a student of this <laughs> philosophy and this approach. Um, but it's it's exciting and it's definitely challenging me when I pick mm-hmm. up my instrument to just get in more of that meditative mindset and more watch my hands play by themselves rather than think them into playing. Mm, I like that. I like that a lot. <laughs> yeah. Watch my hands play by themselves. Hmm. All right. Do you have anything else you want to cover before we move into the rapid fire questions? Oh, rapid fire. Oh boy. Um, anything else you want to cover? (laughs) Oh boy. I just, I'm just so, I just feel so blessed. I know I'm, I'm, I'm starting to focus a lot more on my music career these days, but wow. I just, I love the music therapy community and I just feel like we're all, doing such amazing work and we've mm. you know during this this challenging pandemic time thank god that you know music therapy existed and that we were able to still connect even though sometimes only remotely mm. with our clients and to help people through through this trying time because i just feel like our profession yes we work on all these you know quantitative goals but i feel like the therapeutic relation is the foundation of our work and the trust and the bond and the quality of life that we can bring to our clients, no matter what population you work with is quite profound and quite unique. And so I just, I just, I'm just honored to be a part of this professional. It's just, it's been such a beautiful ride. Yeah. Well said. I think sometimes as a collective, we can get down on ourselves because there's always things to improve, but well Mm. said that, Hey, we're, we're all doing a lot and we're doing it well to the best of our abilities and, you know, we're evolving and kudos to us. I'm patting myself on the back for the listeners. Yeah, 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 please. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it ain't always easy. <laughs> no, no, it's not. It's, I am interested to see what the um, consensus is on shifting back to in-person sessions. I know a lot of people have been doing that all around, yeah, um, yeah. but I, I think there's going to be a lot of forum questions or you know Mm. community discussions on i'm back to in-person services and things are not the way i remember them (laughs) for good for better or for worse yeah yeah yeah. interesting yeah that is going to be quite a transition i'm looking forward to it i'm looking forward to it so and there's a lot of you know there's i'm gonna have to be very mindful of the transition and of Mm. course all the things that go around with that so i'm looking forward to you know reaching out to the community and seeing how people who have already done it you know yeah. how are they how are they doing it so that everyone's safe and it's cool and it's a good transition and all that so yeah all right here we go coffee or tea ah yeah a little french press coffee actually you know what i've been doing lately i wake up before the kids wake up thank god because i get <laughs> some time to meditate and stretch um and i hit up the ginger i hit up the ginger mm. lemon tea 
And then after that, and I'm like kind of rehydrating myself with that too, right? And then I go to the French press and then I follow that up with another like ginger tea as I head up to my office to work. So I like, I just been trying to drink more water and I feel like switching up, switching it up between herbal coffee, then herbal it's, it's helping kind of feed my body what it, what it needs. Yeah. I find sitting at a desk, which is new to me this year. Mm. Um, I feel a lot more comforted when my drink is warm. So even if, you know, it's warm water in my mug instead yeah, of my yeah, water totally. bottle, it's like, there's something so different about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Nice. Early bird or night owl? Ah, I think you could tell early yeah. bird. If I'm if I get up before the kids and they get up around six fifteen, six thirty, uh, so yeah, I usually get up around like I try to get up around five twenty, five thirty, mm. and uh, you know, I just I read a little bit and then I go down and I stretch, make my tea, and uh, I just I, I like to have things somewhat set before the kids come down, so it's so I can relax and enjoy my time with them instead of like, oh, I got to, you know, make the coffee and do this. And I like to have a lot of that stuff done by the time they come downstairs so we can just chill and enjoy our time together in the morning. Yeah. Yeah, that's wonderful. Something you would tell your younger self. Mm. Wow. Well, I think my younger self and my current self, I do a weekly goal writing exercise where every Monday morning I start off with goals in three different areas, goals in the area of relationships. So things that week that I want to focus on with my family, with my friends, with my neighbors, with my music therapy community, perhaps. And also there's a goal area just of well-being. So, you know, physical health, mental health, diet, things like that. Um, and then I write goals down prof professionally, you know, what are the five or six things that I'd love to accomplish this week? And then there's, by the way, this is from this dude. Um, I got to give him props because this is who came up with this, um, Darren Hardy. He's like an entrepreneurial coach. He's got these fun little Darren dailies, these little video five minute it's nice it's like five minute little videos on entrepreneurism and success and strategies and well-being it's he's a cool dude so um and then there's the uh the devil's vortex quadrant where you have to write down your fears mm. and i feel like what i would tell my younger self is don't be so afraid of hurting other people's feelings mm. i feel like that's it's kind of held me back, you know, in certain ways. I feel like I haven't always been my true authentic self because I feel like, I mean, my parents raised me damn well. Um, I love them to death, but you know, I feel like I was taught a little bit to like bite my lip, maybe a little too much. I mean, it's a balance, right? You don't want, <laughs> you don't want to go around offending people by just blabbering, but I feel like, ah, I feel like I, I was taught to bite my lip a little bit too much. So, I'm trying to be more upfront and upright and not worry so much if I like offend someone a little bit or hurt someone's feelings or something. Um, again, it's a balance. I think it's, it's such a personal question, but mm. um, to be totally authentic, that's one of the things. And I also feel like I've had this like fear of running out of time mm. and it's caused stress and anxiety in my life. You know, it's even things like putting the kids to bed on time or, you know, getting this set done or whatnot. It's like, 
just trying to relax, knowing that I have an abundance of time and to embrace that abundance rather than this fear of running out of time has been one of my challenges lately. Yeah, I can relate to that for sure. <laughs> time has been extra wibbly wobbly this past year too. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. your music therapy elevator speech. Ah, the elevator speech. Yes. I always like to give an example. You know, I, I, I don't like to just recite music therapy is evidence-based, la, la, la. Um, so I like to say, you know, give something like, okay, picture a child with autism walking into a classroom and this child is anxious and this child is withdrawn, yet they walk over to this circle that you're leading and kids have little shakers and drums and you're about to sing this fun little greeting song where everyone gets to wave to each other or give each other a high five. And this child sheepishly comes over and sits down in the circle and you hand them a little maraca and immediately they start to perk up a little bit, right? And their eyes start to open a little brighter and you get into your music and you start strumming the guitar, singing this really cute, fun little hello song or greeting song and they start shaking their little instrument and they start looking around you know they start opening up their world and so they're not just into their own instrument they notice the other kids are playing too and pretty soon they start to relax and then the greeting comes around and they get a chance to give their neighbor a high five and maybe even quickly glance at them really quick and it just opens up this child's world i would can you picture that and it's nice to end with that like can you picture that you know, and so that I think that was longer than an elevator ride, <laughs> but something along those lines. <laughs> yeah, but part of what makes it long is the descriptive words, the adjectives, and you need those in order to picture it. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. something like that. And obviously, you know, you want to read, you know, read. you might give an example of a child in a in a hospital you know, or you might give an example of someone with dementia or Alzheimer's. So I mean, depending on what setting you're in and who you think might be around you, you might tell a different story. Mm. Yeah. I can always feel your passion when you, when you do that. It's just like, oh, I can nice. feel like what's going through your head in this situation and like how, how important it is to you to make sure that um, the vision comes to fruition. Yeah, cool. Yeah, well, I, and I have to kind of close my eyes and picture it myself while I'm telling it because I really want to sink into it as well. Mm. Thank you for saying that because the listeners can't see that you do that when you say your elevator speech. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice. Your favorite self-care practice. Yeah, I would say, and the meditation's huge. Yeah, that's it's got to be it. It's mm. got to be it. I mean, yeah, you know, this morning I woke up and I wasn't feeling that inspired, you know? I mean, you know, I think that's so natural. Sometimes you just wake up and you're like, yeah, okay, cool. And uh, whatever. Yeah, okay, let's, you know, let's get through this day. And other days you kind of wake up feeling more like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm excited about the possibilities and the potential for today. Mm -hmm. And I woke up today kind of in like a blah, blah mood, right? And then I'm doing my meditation practice. I love this, this Vietnamese Buddhist monk Thich Nhat Hanh, he's just got this beautiful way of teaching Westerners 
the practice. And it's not a lot of dogma. He, he has a way of really teaching meditation in such a simple, profound way. And so I'm actually doing an online course with him through Sounds True Audio right now. Um, Thich Nhat Hanh's Mind and Body Are One. And so I'm using some of the techniques that he's doing, just cultivating joy and happiness and gratitude with my breath and cultivating peace and cultivating a feeling of freedom. Mm. And after doing that, like halfway through my meditation, it was a total shift. I felt like, oh, damn, I, I'm looking forward to today. Like today has limitless possibilities and, and I'm in it. Like I'm in it to be present and to try to try to do good, try to touch some lives, try to send some positive vibes out there. Yeah, I love that because um, I feel like that's a great example of when you, you know, you wake up and you feel kind of blah, but then if you think today has limit or infinite potential, it's like, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. gets you on your A game. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Um, something that is currently adding value to your life. Oh, wow. I would just say, you know, my boys and their gifts and their challenges mm. are making me step it up mm. and making me reach to be a better parent. And it's not always easy. And I fumble and I make mistakes and I regret them. But then I move on and I'm just always trying to take what they're giving me and having that be the fuel to increase my own self-awareness, my own mindfulness. I mean, talk about like tying into the mindfulness practice. Mm -hmm. If I'm getting frustrated and aggravated and I can have that moment of mindfulness where I step back from those rambling thoughts of how frustrating the situation is and what I'm going to do. And I'm like getting faster and faster. <laughs> um, if I can just step back and find one breath, if I can just focus on one breath, be mindful of one breath. This is very challenging, by the way. Um, it really can change things and it can help me handle the situation so much better and be the kind of role model for my kids that I want to be. I don't want to be, you know, someone that gets frustrated and has to raise their voice and yell. You know, I strive to avoid that and to lead by example that there's a more peaceful way to handle the situation. Mm. What a great paradox of what we were talking about earlier about playing with musicians who challenge you because of their skill level <laughs> and how you have more life experience, but your children are your greatest teachers in that area. Yeah, for sure. Great connection. Yeah. Um, your favorite intervention or song to use in a session? Ah, yeah. I mean, I've been so focused on the stress and anxiety reduction piece and taking deep breaths. Mm -hmm. And so I do a little breathing practice with my clients, teaching to, to breathe low and slow, right? So breathing low into their belly so they're not just taking these shallow breaths into their chest. And also what I found too with the breathing is that it's so much of the relaxing effects and the hormone release that can happen with deep breathing happens with the hold, mm -hmm. you know, breathing in, holding, 
and then release. And, you know, Andrew Wiles got this four, seven, eight breathing. You inhale for four seconds, hold for seven seconds, exhale for eight seconds. That might be a, a little intense for some of my clients, although I, I have done that with some of my clients. But I feel like the, the piece of gold in that breathing technique is the hold, whether it's for two seconds or four seconds. It doesn't need to be counted even. Um, but the breathing, I felt like, has been really important. So I've written a couple songs about, you know, taking some deep breaths and they've become kind of favorites of, of my clients. So this one's called No One Slow. And uh, I'll just play a little bit of you, a bit, a bit for you. And, you know, folks listening can breathe along because there's a cool little part where we'll take a deep breath. I'll make a nice audible breath so y'all can hear it. Low and slow is the way to go. Low and slow is the way to go. If you're feeling nervous, worried anxious to here's what you can do now keep your breath low and slow is the way to go and i'll stop there <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i do that uh it's that's a sweet it's a sweet little song and my clients seem to really really get into it and enjoy it and sing along and do the breathing and mm -hmm. and request it you know you all you know you always got a winner when they're like we want to do low and slow yeah uh. <laughs> i uh i'm reading the book breath by james nestor and uh. it's uh the subtitle is the science of the lost art and this morning Ooh. I finished the chapter on holding the breath and how, ah. yeah, there's um, been studies that show, I'm going to try and get the names right. The amygdala in the brain is where we process and store fear. And so mm. for individuals who are born um, with without an amygdala, I think that's how you pronounce it. I think it's amygdala. No, it's different. Oh, is <laughs> it's it? Like oh, amyg you got it's me. like amygdala, but like the end is EA. <laughs> oh, so it's cool, like the amygdala. Cool. Um, mm. I think that's on the, the sides. But yeah, they nice. the, these people can't process fear, but when put in a position where they experienced um, not true suffocation, but their bodies uh, thought they were suffocating, fear uh, immediately came to them. And how um, holding the breath and breathing in carbon dioxide can help us with stress and anxiety because of the way the chemoreceptors work and like bypassing all these different areas of the brain because it goes directly from your respiratory system into um, into the neurons. So, wow. Yeah, I I'll link that book. I don't think I explained it super well, but it it's cool to see how um, different parts of the breath are focused on in the book and obviously holding the breath was what I just read. So, so fresh cool. on my mind. <laughs> I, I love that synchronicity between what we were just talking about and the fact that you read that this morning. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, 
I have a lot another synchronicity that I'll share with you in a second. But <laughs> cool. to to finish us off, where can the listeners find you and connect with you? Ah, so yeah, my website, therhythmtree.com. Musicians are probably some of the only people who know how to spell rhythm, although it's still a tricky word. <laughs> I kind of shot myself in the foot with that URL. But yeah, therhythmtree.com. And then for my music, you can go to ryanjuddmusic.com and you can take a listen to the new album and you know take a little sample, see if you dig it. Awesome. Or you can find me on all the streaming stuff too, you know, Spotify, Pandora, Apple Music, all of them. Awesome. I will yeah. link all those so people can find your awesome content. I'm also going to link your YouTube channel. And I know you just surpassed a very large milestone with one of your videos, which I think was it on calming strategies uh, totally with autism. Calming. Is that the one? Yep. Yeah. A million views you have now surpassed. Yeah. Congratulations. Over a million views. Oh, thank you. So cool. So <laughs> awesome. And the comments I get from people around the world and like, wow, it's so humbling. It's very, very cool. Great. All right. I will link all that. Thank you for making the time to talk with me. Oh, thank you. Such a good conversation. Uh, it's so nice to be reminded of the importance of mindfulness and um feel inspired to create music. And I don't know about you, but sometimes, like I said in this episode, I just have so much resistance to making music for myself or picking up an instrument for fun. And it's great to talk to someone who has passion for that. I remember in college, I would love going to open mic nights because I got to see predominantly where I went to school, um, non-music majors doing music and having a passion for it and having fun and performing and getting into it. And those weeks when those open mic nights happened always had me the most inspired to get back into the practice room and enjoy my music training. So I love having a conversation with someone who's feeling inspired to make music and it makes me want to as well. If you've enjoyed the show, please let us know by leaving a rate rating a rating <laughs> or review um wherever you've listened to the show or even on facebook you can find us online and on social media at music therapy chronicles and uh, instagram and facebook are the best ways to stay up to date on what's going on uh, behind the scenes things coming up all that good stuff if you want sneak peeks of who's coming up on the show as well as some other exclusive content please sign up for our newsletter on our website and if you see someone coming up on the show and you want to ask them some questions you can do that by becoming a patron on patreon.com uh, slash music therapy chronicles where you can make a donation any donation that you're comfortable with and have the exclusive opportunity to ask those guests your questions Another great way to support the show and get some CMTE credits is by checking out our pod courses over on MT Podcast Collective. We have three new pod courses launching in a couple weeks with um, some 
fellow music therapy podcasters who you might already know and listen to. So stay tuned for that. You can follow us on social media at MT Podcast Collective and also get on our newsletter over at mtpodcastcollective.com to stay up to date on all those things, get some discount codes, and uh, find our pod courses. One of the awesome things about MTPC or the Music Therapy Podcast Collective is we're able to all come together and uh, MTPC is really just a platform where we can offer continuing education opportunities through podcasting. So you can learn from so many different people, their different experiences, and hopefully we'll introduce you to some new shows and topics and um, make getting those CMTEs really accessible. So more will be coming out next week about those fresh courses specifically. Uh, So stay tuned. But otherwise, again, follow MTPC on all the platforms at MT Podcast Collective. And also, of course, follow the Music Therapy Chronicles, please. We so appreciate your support, um, both in following us and in checking out and potentially purchasing our courses. Those really, really support us podcasters um, to continue to do all the behind the scenes work. You can find links to everything in the show notes. And thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this week's episode. We'll end the episode this week with this mantra. I have the power to create change.